Welcome to The Intent with Brian Kimson and CJ Nugent. We are so glad to have you here today. And on this episode, we are going to be speaking in depth about our own experiences with eating a plant-based diet, following plant-based nutrition guidelines, um, and our switch individually to a more ancestral philosophy and a more ancestral way of eating and how that is, has impacted us, the impact of a plant-based diet on our lives, on our bodies, on our lifestyles, um, and, and so many more. And a key takeaway that we um, hope that you walk away from this episode with is a philosophy and a, a deeper, deeper understanding of what it means to be empowered um, in your lifestyle, in your lifestyle choices, in trusting yourself to make choices that are right for your life and for your body. Uh, because we all have that power. We are all bio-individual and we all have the capacity to live vital, healthy, incredible lives. So without further ado, let's get right into it, CJ. Yeah, man. I took the bait, right? It started about eight years ago when I remember I, there were so many documentaries that went out um, that were almost like a campaign to convince so many of us that the plant-based lifestyle is the way to go. It's the future. That's what's going to keep you young and healthy. That's what's the best for the planet. That's the moral, morally superior diet. But as you and I know, that was all a belief. And when I subscribed to that, I went all in and I developed a defense system so that anybody that would uh, contradict my beliefs around food and this being the best thing that everybody should have, right? I was almost evangelical at that point, right? I was it was became a sort of re religion and I was telling, you know, my friends and family how they should eat and, you know, just, and I, I feel like so many people like myself included in this whole process, like you almost have to like build this mental framework to completely shift your, your way of eating, like as a biological organism, as an animal, like you have to right. convince yourself so hard to completely change the way that you you eat what you are attracted to in food and things like that so i i definitely agree with you there and feel that right and, and it only took like not even a few months before i did start noticing physiological changes that weren't um what i would consider adaptations that were beneficial for the lifestyle that I was living at the time, which was I was studying mechanical engineering at USC and it was tough. I had to become a chef, so to speak, right? I had to learn how to cook my own meals because I was very specific on um, the nutrients that I was getting, the quality, even though it was from a plant source, I was making sure that I wasn't eating GMOs. It was all organic. 
I wasn't getting corn, soy, and wheat, which most of which in the U.S. is sprayed with glyphosate and has a lot of negative side effects. Um, so I was convinced I'm doing it right. I'm supplementing B12 methyl methylated form because I know I'm a poor methylator. I've got the MTHFR gene. You know, I have like all these, this whole supplement stack that I was taking. Um, I was convinced that I was doing it right, but my body was telling me otherwise. And um, it took me four years to realize that my beliefs and, you know, again, like when these things were showing up, I was coming up with mental explanations for why that is. And when people would confront me on it, I would have an explanation. Um, so all the boxes were checked, at least for my psyche. Um, but my body and, was still responding the way it naturally would. Yeah. And I think there's a big, like, kind of like gotcha or like aha moment in there or a lesson in there about like, having such a strong held belief that you are completely oblivious to or um, consciously ignoring warning signs, right? Right. Like ignoring the signals and the communication that your body is trying to have with you, you know, from the brain fog to the um, poor muscle growth, protein absorption, all of right. that type of stuff, just ignoring that because of this belief that you that you have constructed right and speaking on just the muscle growth aspect right i was training really hard in the gym like at least five days a week and this was intense training like i was pushing myself pushing my body to its limits and what i noticed my ability to recover just was not where it should have been. Um, but I didn't have a reference, right? Because this was when I started training that way was when I was eating plant-based. So I didn't know what it was like without, um, fast forward to, you know, when I started incorporating some more eggs into my diet, I started noticing that the symptoms that I was having of not being able to develop muscle, having gut issues, uh, brain fog, cognitive function, um, all of that sort of slowly began to go away. I was able to develop some, some muscle. My gut digestion was getting a lot better. My brain fog was going away. And I just felt like so clear. I was like, wow, like maybe I should, you know, stick with the plant base, but incorporate a little bit of eggs, right? So I was like kind of sort of modifying my beliefs. And this was really hard for me at the time because I had to rationalize it. And I was like, oh, okay, chickens, naturally they, they make eggs, right? And so um, it's, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm supporting the slaughtering of animals. So it felt morally okay for me to do this, right? And like, all of these mental blockages just had to work around uh, what my body was actually craving. And so, you know, it, it, it sort of began to open the door to, well, maybe the approach that I'm taking isn't the best approach, approach after all. And 
um, I, I think what really did begin to shift my perspective was seeing that the more I ate the way I ate, the more I felt those symptoms that I was trying to run away from. So regardless of like how long I had been doing it, something just wasn't working. And so, so what really helped you to, was there like a moment that you were like, I mean, other than, you know, incorporating more eggs and some yeah. of that like fringe animal, there was animal a protein and yeah. stuff. So oh, yeah. yeah, talk, talk to me about the moment that you were like, okay, like this is, you know, either this is a scam or like, I've been doing this wrong or, you know, that's kind of just like open you up to the floodgates of like, all right, like this is like nutrition is like bio-individual, like the foods that we consume, like our, our bodies are all different. Like what, um, what was that for you? Yeah, there was a moment, my buddies and I, like right before we graduated, we went and hiked Mount Baldy and they, mind you, they didn't give a shit about their diet. They didn't care about what they ate. It wasn't like as big of a deal as it was to me at the time. Um, and I thought I was eating like the best diet that was like so optimal for, for me. Um, but these guys were charging up the mountain, no problem. I'm lagging behind because I was just so out of breath. I was, I couldn't keep up. And that was a moment for me of realizing maybe what I'm doing isn't, isn't working. Right. And it's like, as much as I didn't want to believe it, it was like the proof was right there, standing there right in my face. And so that was when I decided to make a change. That was when I decided, okay, I want something different for myself. And if I'm going to step outside of, you know, what I'm currently doing, then I'm going to need to change my beliefs. And that was the hardest thing was detaching from my belief system and looking at different options. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't tell you exactly what uh, steps I took thereafter, but it was when I started incorporating more animal foods back in, like all the ducks began to fall in line, right? My protein levels, the amount of protein I was consuming was increasing. The amount of fat soluble vitamins I was getting was was getting back in balance and it just felt like the experiment that I was doing before compared to what I shifted into um it was like night and day um so there there was something to be said about the quality of the protein and especially the fat soluble vitamins that I was getting so I wanted to uh sort of address those two things because I think a lot of people are missing the boat when it comes to protein and getting enough protein in their diet. Um, just focusing on getting at least 30 grams 
of protein, of quality protein per meal made probably the biggest difference than anything else. And um, when you say quality protein, what do you mean? I mean, from animal sources, right? So when you look at the protein that comes from plants, most of which is not a complete protein. It doesn't have all nine essential amino acids mm -hmm. or all 20 amino acids. Um, it has much less methionine, much less leucine, and much less uh, valine. And so these three particular amino acids are essential for muscle protein synthesis, for our bodies to build and repair muscle. And so if we're not getting enough of these essential building blocks to kickstart you know, the muscle building process, we're not going to build muscle. And so that's huge. I don't think um, a lot of people understand the importance of muscle for the body. Muscle is much more than just, you know, something that makes you look aesthetically pleasing, right? It holds our structure together. It also is a, a sink for glucose, right? So when we eat a meal that is high in carbohydrates, um, that's going to raise our blood glucose. And um, having high uh, glucose in the blood, high levels of blood sugar, um, is associated with a lot of negative health effects, including insulin resistance and cardiovascular disease. So the quicker our bodies are able to clear glucose from the blood, um, the better health markers will be. And the main mechanism that the body uses to clear glucose from our blood is shunting it into our blood, into our muscles. So if we don't have enough muscle tissue for blood glucose to be cleared into, then we're going to have systemically elevated levels of blood sugar, which leads to high levels of insulin and eventually insulin resistance. So hmm. this is one thing that if you want to improve your overall metabolic health, um, focusing on building quality muscle on your body is probably the best thing that you can do to improve your metabolic health. Um, so that was a big lesson that I learned is the importance of protein and prioritizing protein in my diet. Um, and that made probably the biggest change outside of uh, fat soluble vitamins. Yeah, and so continuing on that thought with, with regard to fat soluble vitamins, that's also one of the big things that most people that are doing a plant-based diet are missing uh, because plants cannot create true vitamin A or vitamin K, right? These only come from bacteria, specific bacteria. And these bacteria are what live on living creatures, right? Like ruminant animals in the guts of cows. Uh, so if we're not getting quality fats like, you know, ghee, like a good grass-fed butter or um, kefir or yogurt or, or good quality raw milk, um, 
then we're missing out on these super essential fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A and vitamin K. And um, some vegans, you know, I was one of those vegans that would argue that, oh no, we get plenty of vitamin A, it's in um, plenty of plants, it's in beta carotene. But the thing is, our bodies are very inefficient at converting beta carotene into active vitamin A, also known as retinol. And so when we're not getting um, retinol in adequate levels, then we become deficient. And this affects our ability to recycle iron. It affects our ability to synthesize vitamin D. Um, there's a lot of things that retinol is involved in in the body. And if we're not getting enough, we're gonna see some downstream uh, negative health effects as a result of these nutritional deficiencies. Systemic, so, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And so it just led me to like dive deeper into why, why are all these animal foods so essential for the human body? Why can't I just get that in plants? And if you think about it, you know, go back a thousand years to a thousand plus years to what our ancestors were, were doing. How, how were they living? What were they eating, right? They were living on the land, eating animals, and that's what they prioritized in their diet. They didn't prioritize plants, right? Because if you think about it, most plants don't want to be eaten. They need to survive just like we do. And so they have developed these defense mechanisms in their exoskeleton, in their shell, in their skin, um, so that when they do get eaten by a bug, for example, they can release these lectins, right? These plant anti-nutrients to prevent them from being digested. Otherwise, you know, they're good as dead. They're just gonna get gobbled up and can't survive. Um, so, um, but I don't wanna make the argument too that uh, all plants are bad, right? Because ancestrally, we grew up with plants, right? We've, we've always been living in harmony with our environment and that includes plants. And many tribes, um, especially, uh, Native American tribes developed a, a strong and deep understanding of our relationship with, with these plants. Um, all across the world, um, we've understood the medicinal relationship that plants have with the body. There's so many different properties and so, so many different ailments uh, that plants have and can help with uh, that that has been known for thousands of years, right? Like when you had a, a cut or a scrape or um, a cough or uh, some sort of health symptom, you would just go to the matriarch or the chief of the tribe. They would know exactly what plant you should take. And you would just go forage that plant and take it in a medicinal dose for a specific ailment. Um, but these plants weren't a mainstay part of the diet. So you think of like things that are modernly acceptable, 
to eat like kale, you know, these foods would not have been eaten in any, any meal that we would have ancestrally eaten. The, the main stays in the meal would be an animal, a source of animal protein. Um, so there's a hierarchy of foods that in order to ensure our survival, we had to prioritize. And so when the men would go on a hunt, they wouldn't be going on a hunt for plants to go forage. They would be seeking the most nutrient dense foods in their environment. And those foods tended, tended to be animals. That, that just was how it was. And the first thing that they would go for is the liver. And that's where all living beings store all their nutrients. There's, there's a misconception about the liver that it's just a filter. It's meant to just filter toxins, but that's not true at all. It actually facilitates antioxidant enzymes to neutralize things for elimination while it stores nutrients from the diet. So it's actually the most nutrient dense part of the, the living animal. And that was very high priority uh, for our ancestors. So, so if, you're, if you're listening to this, go get yourself some grass-fed beef liver or yes. chicken liver and, yes. and start it's eating that. Essentially nature's multivitamin, right? And so it just kind of like, once I started seeing the bigger picture, like pulling back uh, my perspective of like, you know, relative time scale of like what we've been eating and then also the modern lifestyle. Hmm. Again, there's, there's a complete difference. There's a lot of differences between the lifestyle that our ancestors were living versus the lifestyle that we are living in the modern day. Right. Okay. And so there's, there's things that, you know, aren't always going to be always going to cross over, but what I've learned is that like it provides a lot of perspective on how we can inform living a more bio-individual approach based on our genetics and our lifestyle, right? So like my genetics are tend to be more in the polar regions, right? The North equator, right? North of large, sorry, on the Northern hemisphere, right? So where we would have more cold temperatures. So the foods that, you know, my Norwegian ancestors would be eating is a lot different than the foods that someone from Jamaica, their ancestors would be eating. Mm -hmm. So there is that component. Um, and that may be why uh, some people uh, do better with dairy while others do not. Um, so like, just, just kind of looking bigger picture on like the the full time scale of like how our ancestors were living versus how the modern day life is really can help us to adapt and create a lifestyle that and diet that actually um, contributes better to um, adaptability and variety yeah exactly yeah and I think there's like a major, major piece in there too, about what you were just saying 
about the modern day diet versus like an ancestral approach um, and looking at what your ancestors ate, where they're from and stuff like that. Right. And there is a much, and looking a thousand years ago and, and asking yourself like, what would, you know, uh, hunter gatherer tribes, what would, you know, medieval like farmers be, be uh, growing or cultivating, raising. Um, and that really, you know, having the, the openness of mind to contemplate those questions, right. And ask yourself, okay, like, you know, let's rewind the clock 5,000 years. What would people have been eating? And just like, you know, think about that because when you have that openness of mind, you're able to like almost in a way, step out of your, your biases, right. That you're, you're so exactly because, you know, when you are so identified with a specific, um, way of, you know, taking in nutrients and eating, um, it really becomes part of your identity, which is what it's just ego, right? It's identification with, with form and thought, which ultimately, um, and we'll definitely get into this at a future date is illusory, right? And right. there's, there's a lot more than just these personalities and identities that we create, right? we get so tied up into those. We get so tied up into the ego, of, you know, this is the right way to do things. I'm right. You're wrong. And I feel like that's where a lot of people, um, you know, tend to tend to land when they identify themselves with a specific diet. Like you know, myself, like I've, I've done keto. I haven't quite done exactly carnivore. Um, and I've done, I've been vegan for, for a few years, not currently. I was vegan um, for two years. I want to say 2018, 2020. Um, and, you know, I had much the same experience as you CJ, you know, uh, I could, you know, throw some pictures at some people about like that show like the limited muscle mass that I had on my body, like was very, uh, you know, skinny and, and lean and looked, you know, fairly muscular. But like, when I look at myself now, like there is, there's actual substance, right? Like I was a very small person, uh, because I wasn't able to, you know, absorb the protein that I was eating the limited amount. Uh, my digestion was shot, dude. My, my stool wasn't solid for, for, to be quite frank, over a year and a half, like always running, like could just, and and I think that signals just like, obviously like, uh, an issue with, with gut health, which impacted my, like my brain health was, you know, living with perpetual brain fog was finding it very difficult to um, be exactly be a self-starter and, and actually get things done. Um, when, you know, I wasn't being told what to do by, you know, a boss an employer, um, and, you know, just going back to, you know, the ancestral versus modern, I think, you know, zooming out a little bit um, could do a lot of people a lot of good. And that's really how I, you know, switched my approach to eating and really came to what you were talking about, this understanding of bio-individuality. Like we all have um, our own unique metabolic fingerprint. Uh, I forget who, who used that term, heard it in a podcast, but I absolutely love that. We have a metabolic fingerprint. Everybody's fingerprint is different. Everybody's body works differently and therefore requires different nutrients, different methods, different approaches to eating. And I think that is just so, so important to remember when, you know, the opportunity arises to identify yourself with a specific diet right? Like I only eat this and I don't eat this. I only eat this and I don't eat this, that no, I would never put that in my body, which is very much how I was when I was vegan. And, you know, a lot of my, (laughs) a lot of my reasoning 
for becoming vegan, you know, I, I was just getting into, you know, mindfulness, spirituality, was meditating a lot, had gone on a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat where it was just vegetarian. There was no, there were no meat options and things like that. And I really started to feel into this, you know, pain that, um, you know, was really brought to my attention by, you know, a lot of these documentaries that were being pushed out that you were talking about, like Game Changers. And I know there are others, but that's the first that comes to mind. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I started to feel bad, right? I started to feel shame and guilt um, right. and these really low level emotions about like this pain that I, that I was causing the planet and, you know, the animals that I was subjecting to torture. I was seeing all of these videos from PETA and other people sharing like the mis the, the maltreatment, malpractice, the abuse of animals on farms. And I don't support that today. I right. never supported that, never will. And, you know, I think getting away from this mindset about, okay, well, since this is happening and it's bad, it's mean to eat meat and any meat that I do eat, you know, regardless of whether I know that it is good for me, I'm not going to eat it because that supports this, you know, these paradigm it, that exactly. And, you know, getting away from that and instead thinking, okay, how can I support the proper practice, ethical yep. practices in, in farming, in ranching. And I think one of the shifts that really helped me to break out of this closed mindset that I had about consuming meat and whether it was bad for the planet, bad for the animals, you know, wh whether it was evil was you know, taking a step back, zooming out and asking myself, okay, let's take it back to the basics, right? Like we're animals, right? We're biological organisms. How did we operate? How have we operated for thousands of years? And that the answer that I came to was consume meat. It's an incredible source. You know, right. all, all kinds of meat, all kinds of animal proteins and animal products are incredible sources of vitamins and nutrients that I, and sounds like you, saw that we were not getting and had the awareness to, to ask ourselves, okay, there has to be something else. Like, because this, I don't feel it in my body that this is working for me. And zooming out and, and taking a look at that allowed me to ask myself, okay, how can I start to incorporate these things in a way that is sustainable in a way that that supports the ethical practices that i support that i want to see more of because i mean fact of the matter is if you're not you know consuming meat um consciously if you're not consuming animal products consciously you are supporting the um agricultural industrial complex you are supporting the centralization of food you are supporting the unconsciousness that is running rampant in the the food system in america and in you know other places in the world of which there is there is a lot of malpractice out there so it's incredibly incredibly important to you know be intentional with your consumption practices not just meat you know buying organic and things like yes. that supporting farmers supporting local things like that um but i think the big thing that I'm trying to speak on here and maybe rambling a little bit, but it's that if you identify with a specific way of being, especially diets, that's a big one today. You know, everybody has the right diet. It closes you off from possibility and it closed me off to actually listening 
and trusting to the innate, trusting the innate wisdom in my body about what my body needed. And, and when you close yourself off to that, that is a breeding ground for disease, dis-ease, uncomfortability, poor lifestyle, um, and overall, just like exactly dysfunction and overall, just a not vital life, which is counter to everything that I believe and right. counter to everything that I, I live for in myself and, and for others. So, yeah. And like you said, all of that starts with intention. You know, we, we did go into a plant-based approach, um, seeking to be more intentional with what we put into our body and the impact that we have on the earth, right? And it took an open mind for us to be able to um, consider the questions of, you know, maybe I could still be contributing to the betterment of the planet by supporting the farms and the practices that are doing it right. Because even with a plant-based diet, we could still be pr promoting and supporting the practices that are not contribute, contributing to the betterment of the earth. For example, you just look at a lot of the modern farming practices when it comes to growing plants, and that is mainly monocrops, agriculture, that is dumping NPK fertilizer and things like glyphosate into the atmosphere and into the water table that's completely destroying these micro or macrobiomes, these ecosystems that support so many animals and plants. And not to mention, like even just the harvesting of so many of these plants kills so many living beings. So you know, regardless of what route you take, you are going to be supporting death and you have to come to terms with that, right? And just supporting, you know, impossible, impossible meat or beyond burger isn't cutting it anymore, right? We have to understand that these systems of agriculture are also having an impact on the planet. It's not just net negative, oh, I, I stopped eating meat, now I can have anything that is comes from a plant. It's like, no, all of these have transportation, all of these have drawbacks, right? I can just go on and on. The thing is, there's practices that are regenerative, that are actually adding minerals back to the soil, that are actually sequestering carbon from the atmosphere, which was another argument that uh, convinced me to go plant-based is that, you know, that cows produce methane gas, right? The, the, uh, the amount that they produce is nil compared to the amount of just transportation, for example, right? So the impact that it's actually having versus um, the perceived impact is vastly different. Right, so um, these farms that are and, and farming practices that are living in harmony with the environment, that are incorporating um, crop rotation, that are using animal fertilizer rather than K2 
chemical fertilizer that are um, seasonal, right? And adding minerals back into the soil, using biodynamic preparations. There's so many different approaches, but when you support these types of farming practices, you can know that what you're supporting is also supporting the planet. And that includes meat, right? That includes the, the dairy that's produced from these farms. And so you support the farming practices that you wanna support with your dollar. So if we're supporting impossible meat and supporting beyond meat, right, with our money, then they're just gonna continue these practices that are essentially unsustainable. But when we decide to go the alternative route and support the small local farmers that are doing it right, um, that are regenerative, that are taking care and have you know, actual practices that do implement better soil quality, we can, we can know that we're supporting something that is more in harmony with our environment. And um, continue. Yeah. And, and so just that mental shift required an open mind, right? I was, I, I needed to be open-minded to the fact that maybe animal agriculture can be sustainable. Maybe it's something that can improve our environment and maybe it can actually be a solution. Right. But that was something that I had to step outside of my ego just to be able to hear and receive. And so if we're not able to change our beliefs, if new information comes in that contradicts it, right, then how are we going to be able to adapt in general? You know, I, I think that's what it really means to be a true scientist is to when evidence you know contradicts your current theories instead of double doubling down on your old theories you update your theories right to to fit the new data and you know so often than not we're we're just instead of um you know when new information comes in instead of adapting and changing and being willing to change we are doubling down and coming up with better answers rather than better solutions so i think there's a distinction there with like you know it, it i was with with the plant-based thing i put a lot of thought into it i had a lot of answers and a lot of what i was convinced are good answers but they were not solutions. The evidence within my own body was a signal. It was yelling at me like a check engine light, like this isn't working for you. And so it wasn't until I finally listened and made a change that all of, the, all of my health markers began to go, you know, all of the, the symptoms that I was experiencing began to go away and I started feeling better. Right. And, and yeah. it took, took that malleability of my belief systems like that. Yeah. That quote says, you know, having strong beliefs loosely held. 
right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that piece about adaptability is huge. And we've, you've seen that throughout evolution, right? Like the, the willing to, the willingness to adapt or the ability to adapt basically like ensures your survival. Yes. Right? Whereas, you know, yeah. if you are unwilling to adapt and, and now we have that option, like you can either adapt or not adapt. And a lot of people are just kind of in this closed loop of like, no, like I'm fine right where I am. I know exactly. I, I know I have these beliefs. I know what is right. I know what is true to me. And, you know, admirable, admirable though that may be, you know, a lot of the times it is to our own detriment. Um, I kind of want to, I want to take this in the direction of just, just overall health and harmony. Um, and I know that you, you absolutely resonate with, you know, just living in harmony with nature is, um, in, in my eyes, you know, where society is going because we have this, this historical evidence. Now we have this historical data that we've collected and we can look at now and see in the industrial agricultural complex, um, the way that government is run, pharma, uh, like so in so many yeah. systems that have been created in the modern age, um, that there's a lot that is going on that is um, not optimal. It is not in support of humanity's best interests or the planet's best interests. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the ways that I've kind of switched my mindset to um, a more animal based approach and doing that consciously and as ethically as possible as, uh, as, my means provide um that is to live as simply as as possible now that doesn't mean you know give up all worldly possessions and live a, a very minimal life with no belongings and possessions i like to look at it in terms in nutrition of eating as little processed food as possible and and that means eating as as little food that has been processed as possible. Yeah. So when you look at, like you were mentioning before, uh, the impossible burger, right? Beyond burger, these, you know, meat, mystery meat, not meat, vegetable sausages that you see out here and all of these new like plant-based meats that you see. When you look at the ingredient list, laden mm. with seed oils, mm. like high oleic acid, or not oleic acid, um, oleic, you know, sunflower oil, soybean oil, all of these things that are, you know, monocrops that are sprayed with herbicides, glyphosate, all of that type of stuff that inevitably makes it into your body. The, these ingredient labels look like the ingredient labels of dog food, basically. Whereas, right. you know, you look at a slab of a pound of, you know, grass fed, grass finished ribeye, New York steak, it's one fucking ingredient exactly. it's beef and it is nutrient dense the practices that raised that beef are ethical you know done done well by the book regeneratively you know crop rotations um grazing rotations um things like that so there are ways to you know live simply not be consuming you know ultra hyper processed and palatable food that you find lining the, the shelves at, at grocery stores, um, right. which man, if you can, you know, go into a grocery store with a, with a list and stay out of the, you know, what it, there's a, there's a map 
like a grocery store map, right? Like most grocery stores have like, you know, the produce and the meats and everything toward the outskirts. And then as soon as you get into the, the belly of the beast, you know, walk down those aisles, the frozen food section, the, the snack aisle, the cookies, dude, like that's, it's a scary place to be. And if you don't know how to, um, yeah, if you don't know how to, you know, decode and, and look at a, a food label, it's, it's no bueno, yeah, no bueno long-term. And the, the way that these things are marketed and advertised to people too, you know, they have the smartest, most mm-hmm. capable psychologists, engineers, scientists, science. engineers, the, the flavor technicians and engineers that they have designing these foods. Um, you know, they've got every big player in the book working to get you as hooked as possible to grab your attention to their product and to keep you coming back for more to get you fucking addicted to it. So I think, you know, coming at or looking at your nutrition and your, um, your own unique lifestyle, right? Your lifestyle is your medicine and and how you, you live your life, the food that, that fuels your lifestyle. When you look at that and you ask yourself, okay, how can I simplify this? Because ultimately simplicity is going to, you know, give you the best results, especially in terms of, of your overall health, metabolic health, your vitality, longevity, all of that stuff. Um, so CJ would love to hear from you just, you know, on that, that same, you know, simplicity and, and living in harmony with, you know, the natural order of things, um, and not, you know, guzzling down a ton of food that has been, you know, three, four or five times processed through different facilities before it gets to, you know, your, your gut. Um, yeah. what are your, what are your thoughts there? What are your, more importantly than your thoughts, what are your philosophies there? And how do you, you know, how does, how did, how does your own philosophy and mindset around that influence, uh, your approach to, to health and nutrition overall? Yeah, definitely. I love what you said about, you know, how grocery stores are laid out, you know, and, and even on the aisles, like, or on the outside, they have all these different stands to, to catch your eye and draw your direction, you know, and like, there's so many different colors that are inf- impacting our psychology. And, you know, one thing I learned from a nutritionist is uh, if, you're, if you're going to buy something that is processed, you know, instead of looking at the food labels, right, all of the like stickers that they, or, you know, the labels that they slap on, like um, non-GMO, organic, all natural, you know, all of that really means nothing. Um, what you really want to look into, um, I will, aside from organic, right, because that's how you know it's non-GMO and not sprayed with glyphosate at bare minimum. Um, and so the first thing you want to do is look at the ingredients list. And what he said was, if it has uh, seven plus ingredients, put it back. <laughs> Right. And I would go even so far as like, you know, three or five. Um, really, but, really quick. What are, you know, a few, you know, maybe three, four, five of those ingredients that if you see it on the label, because I've got my list. If you see that on an ingredient list, it's straight back on the shelf. It's a non-negotiable that that is not going in your body. It's like, what are it's like three one, to five? Yeah. Of those? yeah. Number one would be seed oils, as you know. 
seed oils are made as they were originally used as machine lubricant, right? These, these are not meant for human consumption, but because they were already in production, it was just so easy after the Ansel Keys studies, we can go on that, talk about that on a whole nother po oh, yeah. podcast, but um, they're not meant for human consumption. Okay, and, so that's one. Yeah, so that's one. Number two is maltodextrin. This drastically raises insulin mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be labeled as sugar on the package. So you could eat something that you think would have no impact on your blood sugar and it just has this one little ingredient that is used to um, basically make it a, a smoother texture um, and it's going to completely raise your insulin and will affect um, a lot of your metabolic health with regard to fat storage and fat just an, just an example of that that manufacturing and processing um, step to, to make something more enjoyable, the experience of it more enjoyable in your, in your mouth while you eat, like, you know, the smoothing texture right. of it, like all right. of these, there are so many compounds yeah. that are added to food to make it a more enjoyable experience. Studies are run on these. They do this. So much money is put into the testing and studying of people's reactions to these products mm -hmm. and what it tastes like, what they enjoy about it so that they can make it as addicting as possible. So that's two maltodextrin, which I didn't know about. That's in a ton of, um, you know, food that is used, um, as like uh, fuel in like endurance races, like Ironman's, uh, marathon, stuff like that. That's added, um, to, to a lot of these, these products that are used for like, you know, your, your race time fuel. So I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and adding on what you said earlier, you know, the manufacturing and the food scientists, um, they're engineering these products to reach what's called the bliss point, which is the perfect ratio of uh, fat, sugar, and salt that stimulates your brain to release dopamine and all these neurotransmitters that just light up and activate your brain, right? It's like that um, umami. Mm -hmm. um, and so another thing that that includes is sugar or anything with the last three letters, O-S-E, dextrose, maltose, fructose, you know, um, there's so many different forms of this, right? But when, you, when you're when you checking it in ingredients lists, they can be hidden in so many different names. Um, but the most part, it's refined cane sugar or, um, yeah, it's usually just cane sugar. So that's one that, you know, I, again, I go back and forth on it. If it's at a low enough level, it's it's okay, you know, in moderation, of course. Uh, but for the most part, I just eliminate sugar from my diet and I've mm -hmm. never looked back. I feel so much better. And it, again, it's it's adding to that addiction factor of foods that make them mm -hmm. so addictive. Yeah, so that's four, I believe. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. Any Anything else? Yeah, preservative, sodium benzoate, that's a really, really, um, it's a carcinogen. So, yeah. you know, a lot of these are able to pass uh, the FDA for various reasons, um, but that does not at all make them um, safe 
for human consumption. Just because the FDA approves it does not mean it's safe. That's the FDA is another podcast. Don't worry, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, those, you know, if you can't read it, that's, that's all, or like a good indication pronounce, pronounce the word. Yeah. That's a good indication that, that you're, should. yeah. And that your body's going to have a bitch of a time actually processing it and, and, you know, filtering out those toxins. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But, yeah. So, like, with regard to philosophy, you know, I, I, I like these two, these two uh, terms, which is, you know, when it comes to your food, prioritize protein. And then when it comes to carbs, earn your carbs, you know? And so that says more to the lifestyle of it, right? If you're moving your body, you're earning your carbs. If you're exercising or getting sunlight, you know, and, and getting the lymph flowing, you know, or even just going for a walk, you know, you're earning your carbs. But if you're just sitting all day, sedentary, you might be better off just lowering your carb intake. And that's going to also improve your metabolic health and your ability to utilize fat. So um, that's, that's, those are the two big things that I tell my clients when it comes to um, macronutrients is prioritize protein and earn your carbs. Mm, I love that. That's really, really good. You say that one more time. Prioritize protein and earn your carbs. And earn your carbs. Love that. Absolutely love that. Um, now I think, I mean, mine's, I, I already spoke on it. I think like this is really the backbone, like the foundation of like my philosophy when approaching food. And this helps me out in the grocery store, like really make it, you know, non-negotiable to grab that bag of, man, I was addicted to kettle chips for the longest time. And those are just, those are half, like the second ingredient is corn oil. Yeah. So like this philosophy of eat as simply as possible, as mm -hmm. few ingredients as possible has helped me out more right. than, than anything else in terms of eat my real food. Exact, literally just ERF. Just eat real eat food. Real food. <laughs> eat real food, baby. That's it. Eat real food, not these, you know, Frankenstein concoctions like Skittles and you know chips and ice creams. We'll talk about ice cream. I absolutely love ice cream, but there are ways to, you know, make it yourself and, and source it so that, you know, it's actually beneficial and not just, you know, sugary slop. Um CJ you have anything else that you want to yes one you know, more thing i just wanted to say which yeah i learned from ayurveda when it comes to eating is thinking about how the food you're about to eat is going to be digested and so if we think about that with regard to like a lot of these energy bars protein bars even things like uh, a lot of the puffed snacks like popcorn um rice cakes, um, even melted cheese. These things can be very problematic for our digestion. And when we're eating things that are inhibiting digestion, um, it's, it's gonna be causing a lot of problems with regard to our detox pathways and our health, especially our colon health. And so thinking about also like in terms of plants, there's 
a lot of plant anti-nutrients that prevent their digestion and thus our absorption of the nutrients that they contain. So, um, you know, things that have an outer shell like brown rice or wheat um, or, or kale, uh, they have a lot of these plants defense chemicals that inhibit us from breaking them down and absorbing the vitamins and minerals that they contain. And so, you know, it's okay to have, you know, sourdough every now and again. It's, it's great for a lot of things as far as um, a good source of carbohydrates because it's not going to spike your glucose as much. And um, it, it varies different, it, or it is a lot different than consuming, you know, Wonder Bread uh, because one, the fermentation process allows a lot of that wheat, a lot of the um, inflammatory proteins like gluten to be pre-digested. So you're not having a lot of those inflammatory issues and GI issues from gut permeability that are caused um, by eating wheat. And also, you know, the quality is a lot better than, you know, you compare it to Wonder Bread. So, you know, thinking about digestion um, really does make a big difference when it comes to your health and, uh, and, and can help guide your decision-making for um, what to eat and what, what maybe to avoid. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Amazing insights and thoughts. Um, so I think just to, just to wrap up, like a, a few key takeaways that I've, you know, that were major for me in this is, you know, eat, eat simple foods, obviously just eat real foods, eat simply, um, keep an open mind, you know, don't be so, you know, steadfast and, and rigid in your thinking about, Oh, this yeah. diet is the way this is the answer, right? This is the answer for me. And this is the answer for the planet. Um, trusting, trusting yourself and listening to your body yeah. and trusting in the innate wisdom of your body to let you know what it needs. Right. We have that, that, you know, metabolic fingerprint, each of us, we're all unique. We're all bio-individual. We all have different needs. One diet is not going to work for you the way that it works for somebody else. Um, prioritize protein prioritize protein and earn your carbs and that is that is massive and and you know just just to wrap up this thought on you know earning your carbs man you know one of the things i noticed when i am, am consistently working out you know like five times six times a week getting you know 10 plus hours of movement in a week I can eat whatever I want dude literally whatever yeah. i want i can't i honest to god cannot eat enough Right. Like I can't eat enough. And that's like, that's a lot of people's problems. It seems with like, you know, the weight loss and metabolic flexibility right. and function is like, they just, they eat way too much. They, right. they eat way too much food. They eat a plethora of food, but that, you know, that can be the case if you are, if you are moving and you're earning those carbs and your body, your, your body is actually utilizing those in a, in an effective way. Exactly. And I totally agree with everything you just said. You know, and like for the most part, people's energy intake isn't matching or what I would, or, or let alone less than their energy expenditure, you know, 
again, like, I don't think that having one, you know, meal of, of processed food is the worst thing that you can do. But you, we all have, you know, our subconscious mind telling us, oh, I know this isn't good for me. But like, when you work out and do an, like an insane hike or, or go on a run, right? Your subconscious is telling you, you know what, you've earned it and it's okay. And you can have that meal and, and not have like those self-loathing feelings afterwards because you know, you've earned it. Right. And so that makes it so much more rewarding than just having a Twinkie every day uh, for no good reason. Right. It's like when you earn your carbs, those carbs are so they, they just taste better. Right. And so I think um, looking at it from like energy in, energy out, it is a bit simplistic, but it can really help like also with understanding weight loss. It's like if you're really struggling with weight loss, you know, move a little more and maybe eat a little bit less or instead of um, having really carb dense meals, prioritize protein because that's the most satiating macronutrient. You're going to be way more satiated after eating a meal that is high in protein than a meal that is high in carbohydrates. Um, so, you know, I, just to, just to re reiterate that point, if I, for example, gave you a ton of chicken breast and said, have at it, eat as much as you can until you get full, you would get full pretty quick. But if I gave you a ton of donuts or something that is high in carbohydrates and said, have at it, eat as much until you get full, the amount of calories you would get from the, the carbohydrates is way more than what you would get from the protein before you got full. So that's something to keep in mind with if you are, you know, not happy with your weight or you want to lose weight, um, just prioritize protein and earn your carbs and you're, you're going to see the weight fall off. And that's a whole nother podcast episode in itself, optimizing weight loss and everything. Um, beautiful CJ. This has been fantastic. Um, I think there were a lot of good, good nuggets in here. And I hope that everybody listening to this, um, has, you know, at least, come away from this podcast with with a nugget or something that they can can focus on or implement into their life to feel empowered right because that's the point of this podcast to feel empowered to live a more meaningful life um so there's a lot more coming everybody and we are just way way too excited to to get these episodes out to you oh yeah so Thank you for listening, everybody. This is The Intent with Brian Kimson and CJ Nugent. And until next time, live a meaningful life. Amen.